BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for this week's episode with Aliza from Jewish Matchmaking. I personally was obsessed with the show. I was like, she is the nicest matchmaker I've ever seen. I would not be as nice, but I totally respect her for it. And I wanted you to know that I didn't forget about the meet cutes. And I'm going to read a few more before we get into Aliza, because I just think that they're very feel good. And we could always use some feel good stories, you know, like I'm all about the feel good meet cutes gives me hope. Even as a married person, I'm like, I still want to have a meet cute, even a friend meet cute, you know, like that's, it's me cutes are they're amazing and they they make the rom-com world go round so let's see okay we love this it's short and sweet my boyfriend and i have now officially been dating 9 months but we met for the first time last may he is from the same town as my best friend which is an hour and 15 minutes away from me but we had never met prior One night, I crashed my best friend and her husband's date night, and my now boyfriend happened to be at the same restaurant with his brothers. I remember looking over at their table and being like, wow, that guy is so cute. And my best friend was like, oh my gosh, I went to school with him and his brothers. I'm going to go say hi. She walks over to him to say hello, and he instantly goes, who is that girl with you? Later in the evening, he somehow moved his way over to our table and hung out with us the rest of the night. After talking, it turns out we had been at two of the same weddings the previous year and never once happened to run into each other. How big were these weddings? He came up to my town the very next day to hang out and we've been inseparable ever since. I love that. And I love that both of you were like, who's that? Who's that? It just shows that attraction is amazing when it is mutual. We love that. Okay. We have another My partner and I have been dating for 11 months now and how we met was so serendipitous. I have to share it. I moved from Philadelphia to Boston and went through a terrible breakup within my first week in my new city. I decided to go to Boston calling alone as a dedication to myself to get back out there. On Sunday, I ran into my older sister's childhood best friend randomly at a show. She takes me under her wing and brings me into VIP with her friend group. She was there with a friend who I immediately hit it off with, and we ended up going back to the hotel and hooking up that night. We've been inseparable ever since and started dating about a month later. It turns out we have mutual friend connections, hung out in the same places, and even our families grew up in the same neighborhood. It took me moving to Boston and taking the challenge of going to my first solo music festival to find the Philly man of my dreams. He's since moved to Boston, and we've started our life together after being long distance for almost a year. That's so cute. I love that. And also... I love that you are an exception since you guys hooked up that night. 
but then you were inseparable ever since. So we love an exception moment. Okay. We have another one. It was July, 2019. And I took my little brother for his 19th birthday to New York city for a weekend from LA. We stayed at the Tuscany, a hotel on 39th street in Murray Hill. My brother and I spent the weekend walking all over the city and eating all the pizza a 19 year old could possibly eat. At night, when we get back to the hotel, I would go on the apps and would swipe just for the heck of it with no intention of meeting anyone on this trip. I'm with my little brother. The primary apps for me were Hinge and JSwipe. When the weekend ended, we headed back to LA and I started to go through my matches and messages. There was one guy who seemed my entire type. Jewish, 5'3", Russian speaking, educated, athletic, everything I've been looking for on paper. After a couple messages that were along the lines of, hey, we're so close to, hey, you're now 3,000 miles away. I finally responded and we started speaking on the phone. And a month later, he flew out to LA to meet me. Turned out I was staying a block away from my now husband's apartment at the time. Fast forward to a couple months after that, I lost my job in LA and came to visit for a weekend to my guy. Started looking for a job in New York and LA and ended up finding a job in New York very quickly. So we started living together three months into knowing each other and got married one year later in December, 2020. I love that. And that's amazing. And I have to say, if you listen to the episode after this, you'll hear that Aliza says that you really know within six months if you're going to be with someone, but this also defies what she says about you have to you shouldn't live together before you get married. I think that you should, but I'm excited for you to hear what she has to say. Okay, let's do a couple more. Okay, this is so cute too. My long-term boyfriend and I met the week I moved to New York. I love playing pickup basketball and I went to a pickup open gym on a cold January night in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and there he was. He came into the gym and I was immediately drawn to him, not only because he's incredibly hot, but he just had the coolest, kindest energy. He was shaking hands with everyone at the end of the game. And when he came to me, I held his beat a little longer than would be normal. And we started talking. He asked for my number and we went on our first date that week. And now here we are. We live together with our two cats, Kobe and Rosie, and have plans to get engaged next year. Oh, I love our story and that we met out in the city doing the thing we love. I love that so much. And by the way, this is why we go out and we do the thing that we love. We don't just sit home and expect them to burst into our home. No, if you love something, go out and do it. If you love kickball, join a kickball team and meet your soulmate. I love that. Okay. Speaking of sports, this is another one. I had been on Hinge for a year or so with no luck. I just wasn't connecting with any guys I met. So I finally decided to delete it, focus on myself and see if I would meet someone organically. Fast forward a month. I'm the captain of my intramural soccer team and we were short a few players for a game one night. So just a few hours before I posted in our university's intramural Facebook page, asking if anyone would come to campus to play last minute. Sure enough, this cute guy responds and says him and a friend will come. I found him on the field the night of the game and we chatted as much as we could throughout the game. He asked for my number afterwards, asked me to go on a pastry crawl around the city that weekend. And we've now been official for six months. Wait, that's so cute. A pastry crawl is an amazing idea for a date. If you're listening to this, write this down. Pastry crawl. I love that. Okay. This one's cute a little longer, but it's worth the read. 
I was a junior in college at the time, and I was a typical college girl not following any sort of dating rules. You could say I was out of control drinking, having one night stands, falling for the wrong guys. You name it, I was doing it. I was just a hot mess like most college girls. My friends and I went down to Palm Beach for the weekend right before winter break started. It was a blast. And of course, I went way too hard on night three, and I was brutally hungover the next day. I could barely get out of bed or move my body. It was horrible. But my friends really wanted to go out to dinner because it was our last night there. I was too hungover to even get dressed. So I literally showed up to the breakers in my pajama lounge set, hair in a bun, feeling like crap and probably reeking of vomit. After about 20 minutes into our dinner, this group of really cute guys came up to our table and introduced themselves and asked us to dance. There was live music. But remember, I am literally so hungover, I'm about to die. These boys are so handsome, dressed to the nines, and I'm in pajamas about to vomit. I'm sipping on soup, trying to cure myself, being super antisocial because I couldn't really focus on anything else but how bad I felt. One of the really cute guys pulled up a chair next to me and started talking to me. I was being super antisocial because I felt so ill. I explained to him my situation and how he shouldn't and how he should really go chat with one of my friends instead because I just didn't want to be there. He looked me in the eyes and said, so seriously, if you're this beautiful hungover in pajamas, I can't imagine what you look like on a normal day. Oh my God, I just got the chills. I was so shook, I giggled. We ended up chatting and hanging out the rest of the night. We totally hit it off. And as weird as it sounds, I was in love. I actually texted my mom that night and I told her I think I met my husband. I left Palm Beach the next morning and he immediately made plans to have me come back to Florida to meet his family before we both went to college after winter break. He was in grad school at St. Andrews and I was finishing my junior year in Michigan. We've been together ever since. It will be four years official this May and he is definitely the man I will marry. I hope my story is an inspiration to girls who are looking for love. It will truly come when you least expect it. If you told me that I was going to meet my forever that night, I would have laughed in your face. I was truly at my lowest point of life mentally and emotionally trying to navigate college while keeping up with partying and nasty frat guys. Then literally within the blink of an eye... This higher power placed this amazing man in my lap and my life was changed forever. Oh my God. Full body chills. I love this. I think we'll end on this story because it's so freaking perfect. I really love that. And it really does like happen when you're not expecting it. But like, I know people don't like to hear that. It's like toxic positivity, but it's more just like live your life and be true to yourself. Even if that means showing up in pajamas with your hair in a bun to the thing. Before we get into the episode, just reminding you guys that we have shows in different area codes, meaning DC, Boston, New York City, and Nashville at the end of July. So if you haven't gotten a ticket yet, you can do so. We met at acme.com slash events. We also are doing camp again by popular demand. It's actually in a new location this time, and it is insane. The facilities are like top notch beyond and the turnout is already amazing. I'm so surprised that we have just as many guys as girls already, but you definitely want to sign up ASAP because it is getting booked and busy. So you can do all of that on our website. We met at acme.com. I hope to see you at camp. I hope to see you at the shows and I hope you enjoy this episode with Aliza. AG1. Guys, I am drinking this every morning. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm sick when I'm recording this right now. And so I haven't been working out. And I'm like, oh, like my usual routine is to drink AG1 in the morning before working out. And, you know, it makes me feel like ready to work out, but I haven't been working out. So I'm like, 
do I still need to drink AG1? And I asked my friend that who also is obsessed with AG1. And she was like, wait, yeah, what? Like, it's not just about working out. It's also about staying regular. It's also about like getting the nutrients and the vitamins and all the things that you need. You still need to drink it. So I was like, oh, okay. And so in the morning, as usual, I took a scoop of AG1 and I mixed it with a little ice and a little water. And I have to tell you, I think it's making me less sick every day. Like I feel better and better every day. And I'm telling you that's because of AG1. If you don't know what it is, every scoop is packed with 75 minerals, vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality that give you amazing benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails, like for real. If you're someone that doesn't really eat that balanced, or you're just someone who wants to know that you're doing something good, like a foundational thing for your nutrition every single day, then AG1 is what you should be drinking. And if you use my code, you will get all of these things I'm about to tell you about. So if you want to take ownership over your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Acme. That's drinkag1.com slash Acme. Check it out. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from addiction almost nine years ago, I have been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life. And I'm sharing everything with you from how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures. I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with the industry's top experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so honored to be here with Aliza Benchalom from Jewish Matchmaking. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Thanks for coming on. I don't even know where to start. There are so many <laughs> questions that came in for you, but we'll start with a question for you about you, which is what is your favorite romantic gesture? Oh, well, let me start by telling you what my least favorite romantic gesture is, because that's what first pops into my head. But it's a funny story. The short story is flowers, although I love sunflowers and that I would accept always. But I just remember being pregnant. My husband bought flowers and then as they die and the smell, and I'm like, you have to take them out. And I started to cry. And he's like, what's going on? And I was like, the flowers, they're making me sick. So we have this joke. He's like, I'm never buying you flowers. That is so funny. You know, my husband actually recently, this is very cute. He started sending me, like he made his own little emoji, you know, like, his Gershon emoji, which is a really cute emoji. And he's like, kind of been like a little cheerleader, like, yes, good job. Way to go. Like with all these cute little emojis. And I'm like, oh, that's my love language. Words of affirmation. And to me, that's my really romantic gesture. And he's really cute in this little emoji. (laughs) That's so cute. I love it. I've never been good at making myself an emoji. I always like see myself differently, you know? Yeah. But when someone's really good at it, it's so cute. It, it I love it. Nails. 
him. I mean, I, I can pull up the emojis and show you if you want to see. Yeah. I kind of want to see, cause I know what your husband looks so like from the show. Cute. And if you saw him in the show, then you totally know. You'll be like, yeah, no, I did. Him. And each one's cuter than the next. So, oh gosh, he's so funny. I love him. But does the emoji have the beard or uh, hello? Wait. <laughs> okay. So, so he writes here first, I wrote loving you. And then he, Oh, so cute. Such a cute emoji with the hearts and the beard and the whole so thing. So cute. He's I love adorable. it. I love it. How long have you guys been married now? 20 years. Wow. Congratulations. And I have to ask because I'm into astrology over, it's kind of like my religion. I'm Jewish as well, but when are your birthdays? My birthday is March 4th and I am a Pisces and he Mm -hmm. is August 9th and he is a Leo and Pisces and Leo go very nicely together. Yes, they do. So do you ever take into consideration people's Zodiac signs when you are matchmaking? Because I didn't hear it on the show really. So there's this Jewish concept that we are kind of above the stars, above the mazel of the Zodiac. And there is an essence to it. There's definitely a truth to it. It exists because there's something real about it, but we're not bound by it. So it's not a limitation like, oh, because you you were born at this time, this is the greatest and the most that you could ever reach. It's just a, the same way you might have a certain personality type. It just gives you a little bit of a, a flavor of who somebody might be, but it doesn't tell you who they could become. So Mm. yes. And it's not something that I hyper-focus on, although people who know about it and like it do tend to fall for the same types of people. But I see without asking about birthdays, it just naturally happens. It's not something I have to actually line up. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So I have been like a huge fan of yours ever since I watched the show, Jewish matchmaking. I I do some like, you know, matchmaking on the side, nothing like what you do, but I do have three couples who are married. So I think that means I'm going to heaven, right? Okay. Can we talk about this? Yes. (laughs) I need a rabbi, a rabbitson. I need somebody who knows the answer to this question. That's different than what I'm going to tell you. It's a very common, I'm going to call it myth that if you have three matches, you go to heaven and there is no source for it that I have found in Judaism. However, making a match for sure, it's a mitzvah. It's a good deed. It will earn you a good place, a guarantee that you're going to be in heaven. I don't know. If there's any guarantee. Yeah. And it's not, but there is this concept and people have it. This is like, we all think it. I thought it also. And I, and I started asking around great three matches and you go to heaven. Where's the source? Nobody has a source. So I am challenging right. the world to present me with a source. Present so us with a it's source. True, it's true. We need to know that we are good. No, but we uh, are good. Everything that we do in terms of matchmaking, they say it's as difficult as splitting the sea. This is so difficult to do to bring two people from two worlds, from two families to live together for a lifetime. It is extremely difficult to do. And when you can do it, yes, there is the ultimate good that can come out of that children and grandchildren and communities and families and businesses. And the greatest way to build the world is through matchmaking. Yeah, I love it. And as someone who does it like very much casually, and you obviously have built an amazing career around it. How did you decide to take it more seriously? Because I feel like us Jewish women, we're all matchmakers to a degree. Mm -hmm. But for you to, you know, step it up and be as legitimized as you are, how did you decide to take it to the next level? 
it came about organically. I started as a matchmaker online. I loved getting to know people, trying to set them up. I started to coach them and that was also great. And that was also a part of the matchmaking process. And then we had a couple kids and America went into a little bit of a recession and, and the housing industry took a nosedive. And my husband's like, you need to get a job. And I was like, no, I have one. I am a matchmaker. He's <laughs> like, oh, good. You need to get paid for what you do. I don't really care what you do. It's great. Go be a matchmaker, but build a business, do something like I got to pay the electric bill this month and I need help. So he said, build a business. And he was very supportive, loving, and encouraging. And I told him, I was like, I don't want to do anything else in the world. This is like it. This is my thing. He's like, do what you're meant to do, but also just let's, you know, yalla, let's help pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And speaking of paying the bills, like how does one decide what to charge their clients? And I don't know if you explicitly, you know, say the number, but I'm curious because there are matchmakers in New York city who, where I live, who charge a a ton of money. It's like $20,000. And I don't know, maybe that's the standard. Maybe that's the norm. How do you decide and are men and women charge the same amount? It's a great question. There are different people who run their businesses differently and how they do it. And my business has been an ever evolving process. And over the years we have, we've gone in one direction and another. So we leaned heavy into coaching and I've seen many, many, many clients just through the matchmaking coaching process, meaning with a matchmaking lens, with a marriage minded lens, but using coaching tools, we have gotten hundreds of singles to the chuppah through that. We've also been in a tremendous referral source from other matchmakers to help couples through the process. And then we've also delved into the matchmaking realm and we've kind of done low, medium and high-end matchmaking. So high-end matchmaking, like you're speaking about ranges from numbers like you're talking about and much higher as well. It's hands-on, it's white glove service, it's coaching, it's matchmaking, and it's us it's like, it's like a headhunter getting you a job. Would you like a dream job? We are going to go in search of it. And, you know, it works very differently for, for different people on how they handle it in terms of the medium or lower end. We have courses, we have coaches, we have matchmaking curriculums, like a do it yourself. You want to learn everything that we know how to do. Let me teach you how to do it. We train other matchmakers. We train singles to be their own matchmakers. And then we have a baseline matchmaking service, which is online matchmaking. And like 35 bucks, you can have somebody professionally trained from our team, sending you matches and helping to make something happen. I love it. I love it. Can you give us any update on the characters from Jewish matchmaking and their dating lives? Are you still in touch? I am in touch. Absolutely. (laughs) I love, love, love the people that I worked with. And we are after the 30 days, so I can give you some updates, but I can't. I can tell you that we know that none of the people got married on the show. Mm -hmm. There were some people from the show, whether it was my client or what we're going to call the dater, the person that I brought in to date them, that I set them up and now they're dating seriously, but I can't tell you who, but it's very exciting. A little hush hush because things are going really well. And there's a couple of people that have reached out and said, if anybody asks you if I'm single, I'm not. So don't try to set me up because it's going well. But everybody also like their lives became, it went from complete, complete privacy to everybody in the world wants to know who I am, what I'm doing, how I'm doing, and tell me every intimate detail of your dating life right now. Right. 
And so it's been a little bit of a challenge. So I will tell you who's told me I could share with you that they're looking. Harmony is looking for love and she would love to find her person and I would love to find her person. So if you are her person, you should call her (laughs) or call me. (laughs) And Nikisha and Danny also. And I know Noah in Israel, He's he said, listen, Aliza, you got my head on straight about dating, but I'm going to take a dating break because you taught me how to do it right. Mm. And I, there's a lot, a lot of pieces moving now. And professionally, he's very involved. And Cindy made an announcement in Israel that she is dating somebody. And it's not Noah. I don't know why. We did an event together and the three of us were together. The two of them were together and we had fun. Oh, so everyone like, thought. Yeah, people were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Cindy and Noah dating. And they're like, no, we're just friends because of the show. But there was a very like warm, sweet photo of them together because we, we get into this, this boat together and, and you become close. And uh, so she's dating somebody and it's going really well. And we know Shia got engaged. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And that's really exciting. Faye, everything's hush hush. So we, we respect privacy mm-hmm. and Stuart is single and looking and he would love to be set up. <laughs> And, and what about Ori? And Ori, things are going well for Ori. He's happy. Okay, good. I, (laughs) you know, I have to, I have to just say what's on everyone else's mind. You were so nice. So just gracious with some people who were a little bit more demanding than others like Ori. How did you like, how do you have the grace to not be like, okay, what you're asking for is a little ridiculous, you know? I have heard things far more particular than than Ori's requests. I think Ori is a, a person that people are kind of pigeonholing and going, oh my gosh, such preferences. And I'm going, what, you didn't have preferences when you got married? Because I did. And I could tell you, there were even little nuances in my mind that I realized after I was like, oh my gosh, I was actually paying attention to that. Like I didn't, I didn't put it on my list, but it was there. And, and if it hadn't matched, I would have been upset about that. And people would have said, what for real? Like, like even something like being a really good driver. My father's a good driver. I wanted my husband to be a good, safe driver. It's a thing. And I've been in a car with a lot of different people. (laughs) I held on and prayed the whole ride going, get me there safe, whatever you want, I'm yours. (laughs) So something like that, that I didn't even actually think about when I was dating, but when I was going through the process of evaluating, had he been a poor driver, I, it's possible I would have just nixed him immediately, even if other things had been very much aligned. So right. Ori and people like Ori get a bad rap, but what you don't see or what what people miss is the essence of who Ori is. He's playful. He's fun. He's humorous. He he likes to joke around. That's just a part of his persona, which kind of puts you at ease, right? And And he really does have a deep heart and soul that's there. You see, he's a family man. And that's something that's really beautiful about him. And when you understand who somebody is at the core, at the essence, and you see their beauty and they show the inside and then they go, yeah, and here's the outside. I want the outside to look like this. And you're like, oh my gosh, how could you say something? Well, everybody says that. So I just see him as a person like any other person who has his good and has his preferences. And then we just try to find them. I don't, he doesn't get under my skin. People that are mm-hmm. rude or obnoxious or just not kind people, they, they get under my skin. People that have preferences, that's called dating. I just think it's normal. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I guess there are a lot of women versions of Ori. I think it's just like yeah. we're more sensitive to it when it comes from a man because we're like, that's not right, you know? But I guess women, 
you know, have their preferences as well. I have a lot of particular women. He has to look a certain way with or without hair. Everybody has their preference, how much money he earns, what kind of family he comes from, what kind of car he drives. Like there's all these conversations that are happening. Women are for sure doing it too. We, again, picky preferences. I don't, like you could use picky as negative. So I don't use the word picky. I use the word preferences. And I personally think that everybody has preferences. If you don't have preferences, you're not really human. We are designed to know what we like and don't like. Our nose tells us if something is mm -hmm. good or spoiled, right? Our eyes do the same thing. And, and when we connect with somebody, our emotions do the same thing. It either triggers us for the good or it doesn't. It's either a point of connection or a point that right. will never be a connection. And these are all signs of how we make things work. And for some people, they hyper-focus on the outside. And then for me, I pray, pray, pray that the inside really matches what they're looking for because I know that the inside is really the key and the outside has right. to be pleasing enough. Very wise. Summer is finally here and it's all about being outdoors. It's finally like the time when you'd rather eat outside than inside. And Article is making that so much more desirable when you go to someone's apartment, someone's home, whatever. If they have outdoor space and they have Article furniture, it is the best place to be. It is the spot because they have outdoor sofas. They have outdoor tables. They have all of the things to make you want to do your favorite indoor things outside. You could have barbecues, fall asleep on the outside sofa, hopefully not get a mosquito bite, whatever it is. If you are looking to make the outside of your home just as gorgeous as the inside, you need to be trying Article. If you haven't heard of Article, Article is one of my favorite, if not my favorite furniture companies. And I'm so happy they're supporting this episode. They are an amazing website that has incredible interior designed and handpicked pieces like mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, boho. They've got the best furniture in the game. They have a team of designers and their designers just know exactly what they're doing. And it's not overly complicated. You don't have like a million different places to go to ask where your stuff is. No, Article cuts out the middleman. And this way, their stuff comes usually within two weeks. It's fast and affordable shipping across the US and Canada. They won't leave you waiting like a lot of these other furniture places. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim this, visit article.com slash Acme and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash Acme for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Guys, I don't know what to do. Steven is obsessed with Element and he now has been stealing my element and taking it to the office and you, like drinking it in the office. And I'm like, sweetie, like I, you know, first of all, leave the raspberry because you know, it's my favorite flavor. I'm also newly into the orange. If you're like, what is she talking about? Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything that you need and nothing that you don't, which means a lot of salt with no sugar and the good salt. At first I was like, I don't want to have anything salty in my life. No, no, no. You need salty in your life. 
Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, which is 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, meaning it is so good for you. It's good for you post-workout. It's good for you when you're hungover. It's good for you when you sweat, period. Because I don't know if you realize this, I didn't, but you can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day. And when it's not replaced, you get muscle cramps and you get really tired and it's not good. So I have personally had an amazing experience with Element and I want you to have it too. All you do is take a little pack and you pour it into your water bottle, you shake it up and you drink it and it tastes so good. You end up getting addicted to it. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets for free with any element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinkelement.com slash Acme. This deal is only available through my link. So you must go to drinklmnt.com slash Acme. Element also offers no question asked refunds. You can try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You have nothing to lose. Because you are so kind with your clients, I'm curious, like, do you slash would you ever say something to a client if you thought that they had toxic behaviors or tendencies when dating? Absolutely. And I think also you see, I mean, now we're on a little bit of an Ori <laughs> line, but you see, I, I was playful with him. Right. And I was like, colored contacts and hair dye. We're good. Right. And, and we mm-hmm. laughed and he laughed, but he wasn't really laughing. Right. It right. wasn't really good with him, but I have also learned the art of just being direct and being straightforward with somebody and being able to say, Hmm, you said you want this and you're only going for that. And that doesn't add up to me. And what are, what are we going to do about that? And I think I did that a little bit with harmony. I think that she knew that I really wanted a high quality human for her and, and that I wasn't really willing to, to compromise on the inside. And I was bringing her somebody that was really strong on the inside that I hoped would grow on the outside and that we'd have the patience to build a relationship with, but it doesn't always work that way. But I, but I was direct. I, this is what I want for you. I want a good human. And she knew it and she believed it. And she said, I trust you, Eliza, right? Like you're, I get it. I get it. But again, I could be direct, but you see the results. It doesn't necessarily change the outcome. So Mm. being direct is smart when it's going to be effective. If it's not necessarily going to get you the results you need to get, then being direct is only good if it's kind. And I think that's how it worked with Harmony. It was direct, but it was sweet. It was playful. It was kind. It allowed her to grow at her own pace. And she told me what worked for her. And we did stretch. We got her as comfortable as she could be with the situation that we presented her. Yeah, that's true. I want to talk a little bit about your traditional ways. One of your views is that living together before marriage isn't necessary. But does that mean that it's not okay or you're okay with it? It's just not necessary. It's not necessary. I'm going to refrain from giving you my judgment on okay or not okay. I think if you look at it statistically, it decreases the successful marriage rate. It does not actually increase it. So if it was neutral or increased it, we could have a conversation. If it is not neutral and it decreases the the success rate of a couple, then I'm really not interested in it. Put Judaism aside, that that's a statistic that we can go, hmm, what's, what does that mean? And why is that happening that way? And, and how can we overcome that? 
I think the process of building a relationship together that lasts a lifetime happens with a commitment that says I'm for you and you're for me and we're going to figure this out. And I think that we have to have clarity before living with each other. We have to understand the person that you are and the person that I am. This works. All those little details, you know, you miss the the laundry basket when you throw your socks in and you kind of leave toothpaste in the sink and it's irritating me and the dirty dishes and right. Those things are problematic. But if we're talking about personality flaws, that's got to come out. You don't need to live together to find a personality flaw. But going into these statistics, I learned because I like did some research, you know, in former episodes that the reason that more couples who live together before they got married, let's say get divorced or don't work out is because of the reason that they moved in together. Yeah, because they wanted to try it out to see if it could work. And then it didn't work. <laughs> well, so so for New York, for example, like yeah. the reason is because like rent is expensive and right. we need to like save money. Right. That's not a reason like that in my mind is not a good enough reason. Right. But I think that if you move in with someone because you're like, I want to spend every moment with them and I can't wait to marry them, then that is 1000 percent a positive reason and cannot have any like negative effects. But if you're moving in because of logistics, if you're moving in because of trial, if you're moving in because, you know, you're testing your partner, then I feel like it's bad energy to start. But if it's because like, oh, my God, I love this person, you know, our leases are up and nothing to do with money. I just that's I want to be I want to want to be with them. Then I feel like it's why not. It's okay. Why not marry them? Well, because if you have only been together for like a year or a little less, how much depending time, on your how age. much time do you need to figure out who's your person? <laughs> I don't think I don't think secular, religious, Jewish, not give me any human being in the world. I do not think you need longer than six months to figure it out. You don't have to do anything about it, but I don't think you need longer than six months to know that that's my person. If you're taking longer than nine months. If you're taking over a year, we have a problem. You need to figure this out and you don't need to live together to figure it out. And living together isn't going to increase the likelihood of the relationship working out. And it's not going to strengthen your relationship. And if we're looking for longevity of a relationship, I want what's best for the relationship long-term. What it is likely to do, and you said that it isn't gonna cause harm, actually it is. The person who gets broken up with after living together and thinking that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you and my hopes and my dreams are all in the bucket of you. I only moved in with you because I thought that that was going to happen. I would have never done that. I wouldn't do things like that. And then you break up with me a year later or six months or two years or whatever the time frame is. It's as if it's a divorce. It is extremely painful. It is extremely difficult. And they didn't even get the joy of the marriage. They didn't even get the commitment. And now they're broken up with after giving their heart over without any sort of commitment. So I think there is an enormous risk of people breaking, uh, not just breaking up, but internally breaking from a relationship that doesn't actually last. And then I see them on the flip side. Oh, yeah. Oh, I haven't been dating for the last five years. Why? What's the story? Well, let me tell you, I moved in with my boyfriend and we lived together, mm. moved in with my girlfriend. She broke my heart. I haven't gotten right. over it in the last five years. So I think that there's an enormous, enormous risk and moving in together makes the stakes so much higher because it's as if we're married, we just don't have a certificate. So we got married really because we just took everything and I'm yours and yours, mine, you're mine. Great, great, great. We pulled it all together. We played house together and then you're breaking up with me. So it's like a divorce. So 
pick your person and, and don't avoid making a decision. It's, it's not really about making a decision. People can do and will make a decision in a much shorter time frame. If they need more time, it could be due to poor health. It could be due to finances. It could be due to family. There's a lot, a lot of reasons it could be a thing, but it's not usually because they're unsure about the other person. If they're unsure about the other person, they're not usually unsure about them. They're usually unsure about what's going on with themselves and what they want. And they don't usually want marriage, or if they do, they don't want it today. Or if they do, they don't want it at the same pace that the other partner is moving at. So I see it as a high, high, high risk. It ends up with a lot of broken people back in my boat, which I don't want to see. And I would love to see long-term, happy, healthy relationships that last a lifetime. I hear you. And you make very good points. I, we what can agree I to disagree say, also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I will say is that um, I th- hope that because men are usually, you know, the ones who ask you to move in together. They're usually the ones who ask you to be their wife in a hetero situation. Right. So I like would like to think that if a man takes that next step of moving in with you, but this is just this is just like me being optimistic, of course, but that he knows already or at least that you've had some kind of conversation that you both know that it's going to lead to. No, that is the biggest. No, that is the big. Uh, this is a big fat shake. Of the head. No, that is the biggest myth that women talk themselves into, which is why they choose to move in, because he must be feeling more because he said yes. He might have said yes for a lot of other reasons. Like you said, maybe he can't afford his rent. Maybe he's tired of his other living situation. Maybe he's in between jobs. Maybe you're Mrs. Right now, but he knows you're not Mrs. Right, but you're Mrs. Convenient and he's not planning to get married for the next five years anyway. So you're just good enough for the time being. No, it's absolutely not true. Yeah, I I hear you. I just... I'm speaking from experience with my husband and all of my friends who are married did live with their partners first, but we also live in New York city where things are very different probably Mm -hmm. than the rest of the world. And none of us are, are religious in that way, but I do have more religious Jewish friends who, who swear by that rule. So, okay. So let me just two, two things. I don't want to be thrown into a religious boat. I grew up secular. I became observant. I know both worlds very well. And I work with clients all over the spectrum. What you saw on the show, that's normal for me. I always work with secular people. I've worked with atheist people. I've worked with religious people. I've worked with everybody across the spectrum. I respect everybody's decision. But if you're asking me, what do I value and what do I know to be true in a relationship and in any relationship, whether it's secular or religious, I can tell you what I know to be true. And I can tell you that I end up with, like, I'm glad that your girlfriends and for you that it worked out, but how many boyfriends did they move in with that it didn't work out with? And how many other people that didn't talk to you talk to me and are crying their hearts out? The men, the men are equally as crushed and brokenhearted when even more so sometimes than the women. And it's completely devastating. It is a divorce for them and they come back broken. So I just want to be very careful and I don't want anybody to have the false hope of if I move in, then it must be because something's going somewhere. It's a nice thought, but it's just not factual. So I just, I want to be clear. I don't have a judgment whether you do or you don't do it. It's your choice. And I'm not saying whether you should or you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that it, it, there is a high risk of something going really wrong and ending up where somebody needs a lot of support because they have a really big broken heart. So is it worth the risk versus the reward? That's up to you guys. 
And speaking of risks, one of your one of your notions, and I'm I'm so curious about this one, is not touching until getting married. Is is that it? Or did I, no. did I mess that up? No, that's Shomer Nagia in an Orthodox context. From the show, I presented Shomer Nagia with a modern twist so that the modern non-religious dater could relate to it. And I said, let's give this a try. How about no touching for five dates? Okay. okay. Think, think about it this way. If you go out with a guy and he doesn't touch you for five dates and he asks you out on a sixth date, what do you know about him? He likes you for he, sure. For sure. He's yeah. never going out with you six times with not touching you and not liking you. It's just not possible. It works for men and it works for women, secular, religious. It makes no difference. If you are not touching, he likes you, your personality, your values, who you are, what you're about. He likes you and you like him. You're both in it. I actually know both things about both sides, that there's some potential here. And then whatever you do, like, Elisa turns a blind eye and the world goes on and everybody lives as, as they live. But if you are a clarity seeker, this is the single best way to get it. And you play it like you play any game. Play a game. It's just a game. It's the Elisa game. Let's not touch for five dates. Oh, you dumped me after three. You don't have to go home crying. He or she didn't like you. Who cares? Next, let's move on. Clarity in three dates. And I didn't have to wait three, three months with you. I didn't have to move in with you to figure that out. Right. I like that a lot. I For some reason, someone had written in that it was um, until marriage, but I'm, I, that's, yeah, yeah that's that, correct. That is the Orthodox practice. And that's called Shomer Nagia. Yeah. What I put on the show is that's for people who live their lives that way, who choose to mm-hmm. date that way. A lot of Mormons, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, there are religious faith-based people and Jews right. that live this way. We all follow something very similar. And in the secular world, that's not going to happen. So I said, mm-hmm. let's take wisdom from our tradition. Let's make it modern. Let's make it totally palatable. And if somebody can't handle five dates, I say three. If they can't handle three, I say two. If you can't handle two, go get yourself a therapist. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, my question to you is, what about like hand grazing, like at the table? Okay. Or is it... If you would like the most, and, and you're married, Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you just try Shomer Nagia with your husband and not touching him, you, you should try a whole week. Forget about five days. I give you the seven day challenge. Yeah. Just don't touch him for a week. No hand grazing, no nothing. Completely separate. You could even sleep in the other room or something. Don't touch him for a week. And then say, tonight's the night. Okay, finally. Oh my God. <laughs> Can I tell you the way that you felt on your wedding night? should be a similar feeling. You are able to bring back something, that excitement, that joy, that enthusiasm that you can't otherwise capture. People run away on vacations. They pay therapists lots of money. They try every trick in the book. They read every book. They do anything to recapture the romance, right? And people think by pouring more romance in, more flowers, more dinners, more this, that's gonna fix your relationship. Actually, if you try not touching, it's going to fix your relationship. It's the most miraculous thing. My desire for you builds. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, think about what it does to the body. It makes my desire for you increase because I couldn't touch you. And now like I'm practically getting cranky. (laughs) I don't want to touch you, right? Enough already. And I actually love that. Can you check? Can you please do it? And then I want you to come back on. I want you to tell you come back on with me. We'll tell everybody. I want to see how it goes. 
Yes, 100%. And I actually think that that's what we should be telling people who are like, how do you keep the spark alive? You know, it's so we're bored. It's been three years, blah, blah, blah. Try not touching for five days yeah. or a week. And, and then make your date night. Like this is our night and mm. have a special night. And it's like the first time again. It is. It's amazing. So oh, that's so hot. Women, we, and men, we do this every month. Every month there's a separation period, right? That we, that we're together and that we're not. That that's why our marriages are very strong. We practice that all the time. It's also in modern psychology. If you look this up, it's it's proven that again, I don't hold much by statistics, right? Seventy five yeah. statistics are wrong, but <laughs> there are numbers that say that this leads to a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage. And I can tell you that it does. And again, if you can't do seven days or five days, try three, try one, try anything, whatever your tolerance level is. Like work, workouts. Let's lift five pounds and. 10 pounds and 20 pounds. Let's build it up. And you'll see, it just brings out so much more joy and play. You've got to have a lot of play in your relationship. Right. It's good. I love that. I really do. Another one of your mantras, and this I absolutely love is date, date them till you hate them. And I have a (laughs) date until you hate them. I have a similar version of this, which is just like, if you weren't miserable after your first date, go on a second. Um, It's the same thing. It just doesn't have a ring. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yours is obviously is better. But what if they don't put in the same effort? If you're dating till you hate him and they aren't, then what? Right. Well, then the date's over. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'll tell you what I'm doing to help the world. We just had a billboard flash in Times Square and it said, it had a picture of me and it had had, date them till you hate them. Oh, that's amazing. So we're trying really hard to spread the word about this process and to make it a universal thing. The reason that I also made it so playful with the language probably as, as you get to know me, you know, probably hate is my least favorite word in the dictionary. And it's nothing that I wouldn't ever want anybody to do. It's so opposite that it's so memorable. So in addition to being a catchy phrase, you're like, oh my gosh, why would Elisa say that? That's like, who says that? No, I don't want anybody to hate anybody, but I do want them to give them a real true chance and to just make it happen and, and try it out. And even Harmony said after her second date with Aaron, she was like, no, like he, he grew on me. It softened on me. And you're like, right. Yeah. No, no, but I don't want that to happen. No, that you do want that to happen. I mean, your brain doesn't want that to happen, but Aliza does. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. It it's that slow burn. Yeah, exactly. So you have all of this information from so many people that have come to you. What would you say is the number one thing that people overlook in terms of compatibility? Oh, in terms of compatibility, give me a moment to think. So people focus on personality for sure. People focus on hobbies and interests. People focus on family and backgrounds. I would say true goals, true life goals. Who are you? What do you want to accomplish in the world? Tell me one year, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, where will you be? Now, we don't know what's going to happen, but we play a little bit of a game where we vision out our future together and where am I going to be and where are you going to be in 50 years and how are we going to end up at the same spot? So I'll just take myself as an example because it's the easiest thing right now. My husband and I had this discussion about moving to Israel. This was one of our goals, one of my deep life goals. And he was 
interested. And he said, yeah, of course it's my life goal. I said, uh, yeah, you don't sound like it's your life goal. Like it's my life goal. Like I'm in. And you're like in. <laughs> so when we were dating, I said, you know, we'll, we'll make Aliyah one day. We'll move to Israel. He said, sure. I said, okay, when? And he looked at me like, what? And I was like, right. Goals, goals. He's like 10 years. I was like, oh my gosh, 10 years from when we get married. That's too long. I said five. He's like, oh, it's too short. Okay. Seven. We'll go in seven years. And we had this life plan to go in seven years. And I wouldn't have married him if he didn't agree to make Aliyah and move. That was part of one of my life goals that if he wasn't on board, I wouldn't have chosen him as my husband. Well, wouldn't you know it? Seven years comes around and we chose not to make Aliyah. It wasn't the right thing for our life. We spoke to our mentors and our guides and there was not the right support and it was definitely not the right time. Can you just explain what make Aliyah means just for our listeners? Making Aliyah means that you are going to move to Israel. Aliyah le'alot, the root of the word, means to go up. And it's a spiritual going up, but it's a physical move from wherever you are in the world to the land of Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. So it wasn't the right time. And I said, great, well, when's the right time going to be? You know, we, we made this deal. We have this plan. We have this goal. And my husband's like, I don't know. I don't know. And for a bunch of years, from year about six to about year 16, it was a very forgotten goal. We had children, we were building a family, we were living in a community in Philadelphia, and it wasn't an achievable goal. It didn't seem to be the right time. And we, we kind of made a deal, like when the right time came, when we as Jewish people didn't feel safe in America, when we saw signs of the world just being very different than it was, we were going to choose to go. And I made him commit, right? We are going to go. Yes, yes. And I made him reaffirm the goal. And then when COVID happened, I looked at him and I went, okay, now's the moment we have to go, right? World's changed. World's different. I'm not feeling super safe here in America. We need to go. And he said, when? <laughs> I think he was thinking five or 10 years. And I was like, now? He's like, can you define now? I was like, yeah. I don't know. How quickly can we move? Six months? He's like, a year? It's like, oh no, no. We ended up moving in about eight months, but that was a goal. That was something very deep. And, and there's more things like that, how we want to raise a family, where we want to live, who we want to be in the world. And, and even me, we didn't have a plan for me to work full-time. We had a plan for me to be a wife and a mother, to work part-time, for him to work. That was our goal. We, we wanted that one parent was home. And when we moved to Israel, I said to him, listen, I think as a part of our life goals, we believe in raising our children. Somebody's got to stay home, but I want to grow my business. Your business is not transferable. Are you willing to stay home? Do you want to play Mr. Mom? And, and I'll try to work and I'll try to make a go of this. And he said, yeah, I'd love to raise my kids and I'd love to have an opportunity. Are, are you sure you can pull this off? I said, I don't know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I'm going to take the responsibility now and I'll, I'll let you know. I think I right. can do it. And thank God. And you're out. killing it, killing it, killing it. But it was you a life really goal. It was so it came about because what was our goal to have somebody raise the family, one of the two of us raising the children right. and being there for them. And the other one going out to work and to, to build and do something really meaningful and changing the mm. world was one of our goals. We really had these big goals to change the world and to make a huge impact. And this is 
It's not my contribution. This is our contribution to the world. We are marriage minded. We built a family that we love, that we are so happy with. And all we want to do is help other people to do the same thing. This is our life goal. This is our life dream. So I'm out working and doing it in the public. And he's second in line behind me doing this. But if he wasn't at home doing that, I wouldn't be out doing this because then I would choose to be home because that's our goal. Right. I love that. And kind of on the other side of the coin, but perhaps this is the same or similar answer is what makes a couple incompatible? Or would you just say it's a difference of life goals? Life goals, personality. If you are triggering my fears, if I have some, everybody has fears, whether they're deep rooted or surface level, everybody has stuff. If you are triggering me constantly, it's not a good fit. If you have some really annoying habits that I just can't tolerate, that I am just not going to be happy human if I marry somebody like that, all of those things um, mm. be incompatible if it's to a very bothersome, irritating level on a constant basis. Yeah. Would you match people who have different politics today? Okay. So politics is a touchy subject and it kind of goes like this. If you're extreme on either side, you need somebody who's either like neutral middle, but or, or leaning towards where you're at to be okay with it. If you're neutral about your politics or somewhere in the middle, it doesn't always matter. People who are fanatical and very passionate about their politics, they either need somebody who's really in line or who just lets them do their thing and doesn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not it's a non non starter with the conversations, but it's a yeah. hot topic. Yeah. Other than your advice about the like not really touching for the first five dates, do you have any other advice for early stages of relationships to set the foundation for a long term marriage? So I have this concept called, you can only move as fast as the slowest person in the relationship. And I explained it to Faye on the show, actually. I think this one kind of like got glossed over, meaning it wasn't a big splash, but it's a really deep concept. If you think about it, when you're walking, jogging, right? You and I go jogging and you're fast, you're way up there, right? I'm catching up, but I just can't, I can't get to you. I just, there's no no way for me to get to you. My body doesn't move at that speed. If you want to be beside me, you want to go together, buddy, buddy, you've got to go at my pace because I can't move at your pace. If I could, I would pick it up. Maybe over time, I will pick up speed. But today I can't move at your pace, but you could move at mine. So you can only move as fast as the slowest person, which means if you are all in, if you like this person, if you're happy, if you're ready to go rah, rah, but the other person isn't on board, we can't move at the rah-rah speed. We have to move at the speed of the person who's wherever they're at in the relationship. And we have to nurture that along until we come to a similar pace and come to a, a meeting point. And that happens with marriage. If you think about your marriage also, sometimes you're in something, your husband's not, you, you just have to balance and adjust. Otherwise, instead of us going and pacing with each other, we start to pace, we pace in different directions, we pace at different speeds. It just, it doesn't end up working out. We end up taking different paths. But would you agree that it's better case scenario if it's the woman who's on the slower pace than the man? Interesting. I'm thinking it, it's never good either way. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Agreed, agreed. Either person, <laughs> I like that the man is more invested than the woman. So because a man should love a woman a little bit more. I'm I I have I happen to agree with that statement. Yes. 
I'm so glad you agree. <laughs> um, my last question for you is, do you think keeping a relationship private gives it a better chance of surviving yes. in this whole social media age? Yes. Yes. I have I actually have a quote. I don't have my book here. In the back of my book, I have a quote about things growing in the dark. You know, like when we go to sleep, what, what happens? We grow when we rest, right? And, and, and we keep things quiet in the dark, hush, hush then we are able to grow something for sure in the beginning stages. And even in the beginning middle stages of a relationship, it's better that it's quiet. Yes. Mm. It helps. I have a hard time with it, but I know. But okay. So I, you have to have your inner circle, but like uh-huh. for you, your inner circle has to be like three because, because five turns into 10, it turns into. No, no. I agree with that. I, I was very hush hush about my husband when we first started dating until I knew it was something serious. Right. And then I was like shouting it from the rooftops. Right. But I do agree in the beginning, privacy is key especially even if like you're excited for a first date and like you're telling all your friends that puts pressure on it to, to go well. Exactly. Um, Aliza, you are so amazing. Can you leave us with a quote or piece of advice, even though you've given us so much of both you, that we you, can uh, You take have to away. get my traditional Aliza Bracha. Everybody gets a, an Aliza blessing. Aliza Bracha I need is my full name. Bracha means blessing. So I love to leave people with a blessing because sometimes there's just no other words to say or express that there's a concept in Judaism, words from the heart enter the heart. So that's what I think that a blessing is. I think that those are the words from my heart that I want to enter other people. So for anybody who is single and searching, I may, I'm sorry, I like to start with may. May you meet somebody wonderful. May you both have clarity and may it happen this year. And for anybody who is seeking to help somebody to find their soulmate. May you have much success. May you make many suggestions and may your patience increase over time so that you can do this job really well and help a lot of people get married. Love it. I was so locked in. Uh, Thank you so, so much for taking the time. Where can everybody work with you, find you, read your writing, all of the things? So you could find me on my website at marriagemindedmentor.com. And if you find me on Instagram, Aliza Ben Shalom, all my links are in the bio. I'd love for people to follow me. We're we're just spreading light. If you want to spread light, come join me. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.